don't be defined by your mistakes, but own them. As long as you own that mistake and, and, and learn from it, you're going to grow and you're going to get better and you're going to be able to use that as a, as a focal point moving forward of, hey, this was, this was a tough time in my life, but I got past it. People, people have done things much harder than whatever you're doing. Well, I hear the devil calling, gotta pay him what he's due. I can't stop the dogs of war. I can't stop the dogs of war. Welcome to the world's greatest leaders podcast. Leaders from all over the world, future leaders from all over the world. I appreciate you taking some time to come and listen to the podcast, taking some time to demonstrate that you're hungry to learn more and to improve yourself as a person, as a leader, as as a, a subordinate, as whatever the case may be. Today, I'm 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 super excited. I'm about to talk to a guy that uh, is probably the guy, one of the people that I admire the most that I met throughout my entire, uh, my time in the army. Um, I'm very sad that he's about to leave us, but I am absolutely grateful that I was, had a chance to work with this guy and not, I learned a lot from him. Like when I say a lot, I learned like a lot from this guy, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna delay this any longer. You guys are going to find out. You guys are going to understand why, why I think this guy's such a phenomenal, uh, soldier, phenomenal, um, paratrooper, phenomenal leader. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce you guys to, to um, straight from Wisconsin, um, Captain Jack Williams. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to come talk to me on the show, and I'm 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 very excited to see where we're going to get out of this. Before before we get started into the interview portion, uh, there's we got to get warmed up, and I've been doing this every episode, and I totally took this from another podcast. Okay, <laughs> I have no shame <laughs> of hiding it. Um, it's, it's, I'm going to think about another name, but as of now, it's going to be called the Mad Minute. I was going to throw you some questions, probably some pretty hard questions. Some of them you probably have never asked this before, but I'm going to see what, what you got and, uh, what your answers are going to be like. Okay. Sounds good. To me. You ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, what's your favorite alcoholic beverage? I know it's a wine. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably say Amarone wine, uh, from where the 173rd is located. That's where they produce it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's damn good. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, inconsistency. So like when people say one thing and do another or don't do what they say they're going to do, that's that's really irks me. <laughs> okay. I um, mean, yeah, I could agree. Um, who's your favorite superhero? Uh, Iron Man, because he's like actually possible he's just really smart he doesn't have any superpowers he's just intelligent i mean uh, batman doesn't have any superpowers he's he's right up there too i agree (laughs) what about villain who's your favorite villain Ooh, um favorite villain i guess the joker yes yeah yes he's the best of them all (laughs) um if you could go to a bar with anyone in the world past or present have a drink and ask that person one question who would it be? What would you ask? And what would you be drinking? 
Mm. Ooh, that is tough. I, I think I would probably say Dwight Eisenhower. Um, I'm a big Dwight Eisenhower fan. Um, and I would just ask him what went into the decision to delay D-Day and, and how that worked. Because his advisors advised him to de delay it, so he did. And then his advisors advised him to delay it again, and then he did not. And he said, no, we're executing. And it obviously worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. But that was his call to listen to his advisors and then not listen to his advisors. So I'd ask him about that. And um, what would you be drinking? And I'd probably just be drinking like a, a gin and tonic or something. Uh, what was your first car ever? A Toyota Solara. It's a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> what year was it? Uh, 2000. I paid for it myself. I was re I was really like a proud kid in high school. How so much you paid for it? Five grand. Damn. Yeah. yeah, I was a. I just mowed lawns like crazy until I was sixteen. And, hey, and paid for it. Mow lawns in the summer and yep. shovel snow in the winter. Yep, hundred uh, percent. If you were chief of staff, what regulation would you add or change? I guess I would just change the boot policy. I think it's it's ridiculous that we can't buy our own boots because it's so individual to the individual you know are you talking about like you have to wear a coyote brown boot right right yeah. i mean like the idea that you can buy better boots that are civilian boots that still look you know subdued yeah. and and look professional i think yeah you, you, you see do. i mean especially if you're in the field i mean you see you see uh right like special operations guys doing this show all the time yeah so i, I agree with that if you were at an airport and an airline gave you a ticket to go anywhere in the world that you would you want, you can't go home and pack and repack your bags. You can't go home and pick anybody up. You're just right there with whoever you are, whatever bags you have, and you just gotta go. I mean, if you think about it, you're already in airports, so you already got a packed bag. Right, so. right. Um, I'd say Australia. If it was gonna be by myself, I think Australia would be cool. We'd do some crazy hiking and. There's some crazy wildfires going on right now, so maybe maybe not right now. But <laughs> on the last episode, uh, Colonel Jones said Australia too, I guess. Really, interesting. Um, what was the hardest school you went through in the army? I would say Ranger School was harder, uh, but Jump Master School was more challenging. Um, I think like physically demanding Ranger School was insane, but. So maybe Ranger School was tougher. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But like R Ranger School, all in all, is pretty easy. You just got to put your head down and, and do what you're told to do. and Keep going. Yeah. But Jump Master School was the most like humbling because it was very, very difficult. Yeah. Uh, did you pass JMPI first time go? I did. Wow. Uh, well, not JMPI. No, I passed Jump Master first okay. time go. I was, it was third time. How, much, uh, how, how close were you to getting your, your star? Very close. Had we not gone to Turkey, I would have. I would have gotten it. Um, so it's it. They're the requirements, obviously, but like, it, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, if it wasn't for the army, what would you be doing? Um, I think I would be in some sort of like stock trading job. I'm really interested in math, and I I probably would have pursued something like that. Um, I don't think I would have gone to college had I not gone into the army, um, and I, I don't know, I, I definitely would have found myself doing something with with like stocks or something. You have stocks right now. I do. I was wanting to get into that, but uh, I'm not really good with math and and yeah. Sometimes you just gotta dive into it and start learning about businesses. And yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs>
Um, if you had to choose to redo college or ranger school, what would you pick? I mean, ranger school is so much shorter. I, I had a good time at ranger school. It, it sucked, but you, you develop a lot of good friendships and it, it really, like I said, it was physically demanding, but I mean, it, it wasn't that bad. College is four years long. I'm not, I'm not really an academic type, so I probably... Right, you didn't have fun in college? I mean, I had I mean, fun well, I mean, in college. So you, you could go to any other college. You can go to like a party school or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I just redo ranger school. I like where I'm at now. <laughs> all right. Um, if all jobs paid the same, what would you work with? Um, I would probably be like a real estate developer mm -hmm. and try to create good housing for people, just okay. like people who couldn't afford good housing, but, or good management. I trust, just try to provide housing for people. Um, what is one skill that you would like to have that you currently don't? Surfing, going to Hawaii. So gotta, gotta <laughs> well, learn how to that. surf. <laughs> Thanks for throwing it in my face. <laughs> have you ever felt invincible? No, no. Really? No, I think, I think everybody, I think the second you start feeling that way, I guess it, like the way I'm interpreting your question is, is, you know, as a commander or, or like not necessarily invincible, but untouchable or, or better than people. I, once you start feeling that way, I think you've, you've gone wrong, you know? Well, I mean, I, what I mean is like, like when I finished my first 18 mile ruck, I was like, damn, I just finished 18 miles. Nothing can kill me now. <laughs> yeah. And by then five minutes, five minutes later, I was, I was back to normal. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I've definitely had some really high highs. I mean, when you have kids, um, like the birth of your kids is, is phenomenal. Um, finishing ranger school was pretty awesome. I definitely ate a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I would I would have done the same if, if I was in that position. Uh, who would be a movie character that you would play in real life? I mean, I'd hate to go back to my previous answer, but Iron Man is so badass. <laughs> I, I think you got, you got to go with Iron Man. He is pretty badass, but I think I, I, I'd rather Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I don't Batman's know. like a darker a darker version of he Iron Man. He just knows like every single martial art right, existence. Right. Or that, and he's rich. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what is your greatest failure in life? Okay. So I, I, there's, there's really two ways I think I could answer this question. One is like a, a very defining failure um, for me. Um, answer it both ways. Yeah. Uh, so the, the first the first one is is it seems small but it was actually pretty uh, impactful in my life I I uh, tried out for my basketball my high school basketball team my junior year mm -hmm. of college or my junior year of high school sorry and um, I tried my ass off and I wasn't super good at basketball but I tried really hard right like yeah. a lot of effort and my coach brought me in and the previous year, I hadn't tried out or hadn't gone out for basketball, um, and I just focused on lifting for football. And then the, my junior year, I went out, and he said, you know, if everybody in the team tried as hard as you did, we'd win state, uh, but we, we're not going to offer you a position. And to me, that was, that was so crazy. Um, and to be told that as a kid, it's like, hey, you're trying really hard, but, you know, you're, you're, stuck. you're not good enough. Yeah, and that was really defining um, just for – my career, my life, like, you know, I've always been max effort and, and I've always appreciated effort. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've appreciated what people's effort does to an organization, regardless yeah. of their p potential or what, whether they're performing. Um, so I think that was a failure, but it was 
I, and I think you know, I, I look at failure more as growth. Um, I don't like to be defined by negative things that you've done. Um, you just got to look at what you can learn from it and, and crush it from then on. So I think that would be my Great most story. impactful failure. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you could possess someone's body for a whole day and do whatever you want, whose body would that be and what would you do and why? <laughs> I guess I would say Ronnie Coleman and I would just like do a shit ton of like deadlifts or bicep <laughs> curls or something. I don't know. He's just a massive individual. He, he is out of norm. <laughs> that man is insane. I know I know you hate running. But I do know <laughs> you like rucking. Yeah. If you could go on a 12-mile ruck anywhere in the world, where would you where would that ruck be? And you could pick a partner. I guess I don't I I know who I would take. I would take my wife. Uh but she hates You take rucking. your wife on a 12-mile ruck. Yeah, I think she would divorce you right after. <laughs> I'll carry her weight. Okay, I'll, I'll carry her pack. Um, I think I would say like, I don't know. I I haven't experienced much in South America. I think that would be like what pops into my mind hike first. Up, hike up the mountain, go see a, the 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 Jesus statue up in Rio. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the uh, quick story when when I went there, my first time ever going there. I was so excited, so pumped to get there, and I get up there, and it just clouds everywhere, and all you can see is his feet, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, whatever. I was pretty upset. <laughs> Who could win a fight to the death, Cadet Williams in 2008 or Captain Williams in 2020? No doubt, me, Captain Williams now. <laughs> like, would, would any version of you before beat you today? Um, No, I don't think so. I think... I think during troop command, I was in the the peak of physical fitness, and I, I I've put on about I'd say ten or fifteen pounds from when I was uh, a cadet, um, and you know, like I said, I'm I'm in as good of shape running and cardio wise as I was as a cadet, but I'm I'm just more of a man, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you were president, and you had a power to pass one thing in the Congress with the guaranteed approval. What would that? What would you pass? I think so. I, the thing that comes to mind right away is is what Congress is actually already doing well is they're starting to support uh, military spouses a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that could be even more um, expanded. Um, okay. They're, you know, they're they're doing things like covering you know state uh like changing your your certifications in different states and stuff but i think there's plenty more we can do to kind of provide support for families yeah, they, they do a lot i think i think uh they are literally the the support of the of the everyday soldier exactly all right next question is if you could call yourself five years in the future and ask any question what would that question be Told you there's some hard questions. It is. Um, I would say, you know, right now my wife and I are fully committed to staying in the army. Mm -hmm. But I guess five years from now, I would want to know, like, is that is that the right choice? Are you Katie complete as a major? Like, how, how did things go? Um, because there's so many, so many opportunities. Um, and like, what could you have done to m more enable your success or or the people's around you success yeah yeah uh, if you could travel back 
to anywhere in time and do something different, when would it be and where? See, my wife always answers or asks me this question and it, it she always wants to go back like, you know, really far and I'm like, no, like technology and all this stuff is so cool now. Like I, I might I would much rather go forward. But if I had to go back, I, I think I would you know, say maybe the sixties, just because it seemed seems like a seems like a fun time. Interesting time where people and I'm not talking about like the hippie sixties. I'm talking more like the 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 dapper sixties, like the uh, you know, people wearing suits all the time. Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of cool. That'd be dope. Um, and the last one is, what is the best piece of advice that you can give someone? Uh, I've I've said it before. I kind of defined um, defined my my own life and career on this is, don't be defined by, by your mistakes, but own them own them and learn from them and, and, and really try to, um, you know, don't run away from them or else you won't grow. And that was the competition of the mad minute. And that was a 16 minute long. (laughs) (laughs) I swear it gets, it gets longer and longer. I think the last one was, was 14. The one before was, and the biggest one was, was Max is the first one. He I think his was like almost twenty minutes of <laughs> of answering questions. We know we know for some Pumphrey likes to talk. Yeah, he does like to talk. I I mean uh just so that the audience can know uh who are we talking to, who am I talking to and who, like just tell them about yourself and where you've been, uh where you're from and et cetera. Okay. Um Captain John Williams, I go by Jack. Um, from Madison, Wisconsin, I've got uh, a, a beautiful wife and two baby girls. I got girls. a question about that. Okay. <laughs> Is it about my bagel name? or bagel? Okay, yeah, it's bagel. I've I've been known to say bagel a couple times. Um, I think it's. Is that a Wisconsin thing? It is not. Wisconsin is is like a carry. It's like a super, you know, bagel. But I think my time throughout the army i mean it's been 12 years since i've lived in wisconsin i think some sort of influence made me turn to bagel i guess oh my god i thought it was wisconsin when i heard you say the first time no it's the opposite i think i'm like running away from my my bagel so wisconsin is a big bagel place they well they say bagel it's like kind of weird and i don't know if i'm saying it how they would say it but it's wisconsin accent is so weird um my family, if I get a little drunk or if I go back home and, and hang out with my family for a while, I start carrying my O's and like, oh, don't you know, and stuff like that. I, I absolutely will. I'm so thankful that you do not talk like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I lived there my whole life until I was 18 and I haven't lived there since. So, yeah. But, yeah, so I, I have two kids, just brand new baby a month ago. Um, we're, I, Graduated from West Point, did uh, my first time in the Army as a tanker. What did you major in? uh, Systems engineering at West Point. Um, And then, uh, like I said, started out as a tank platoon leader, tank executive officer, and then um, MCCC, um, and then did an assistant operations officer here at 191 Cav. And then I took command of B Troop, and I just gave up command uh, yesterday. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so... um Jack is leaving us, and it's, it's pretty unfortunate. He was he was a big role in in my time here in the unit. Um, so, what made you join the army and, and want to be an officer? 
Yeah, so um, both grandparents, my, my well, my grandpa on my dad's side was enlisted Army. My grandpa on my mom's side was enlisted Navy. They both retired with 30 years in. Uh, my dad was an enlisted Marine. Um, everything about me joining the military, I was going to enlist in the Marine Corps. Um, and my dad was pretty influenced. Everybody influ- goes to the Marine Corps first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like first oh, yeah, in this to. unit, uh, there's a lot of uh, former Marines. Yeah, there is. But... Uh, so my, my dad was pretty influential, though he he like he realized I was good at math. He realized I, c- I had the potential to at least try to go to college. Um, so he he kind of he never pushed me to do anything. He never you know said you have to do this sport or you have to do this anything. Uh, but he did push me to at least apply to college. And I was talking to my marine marine recruiter, and I said, Hey, what what is this ROTC thing? Like, I think I'm interested in it. And he said, oh, ROTC, that's that's Reserve Officer Training Corps. You can't go active duty out of ROTC, so you, you, you have to enlist in order to go active duty, which is, I don't know if he was completely just wrong or if he's trying to lie to me. Um, <laughs> that's wrong as shit right now. It's completely wrong. Um, but, you know, high school, junior. Reserve Officer Training Camp? Re- Reserve Officer Training Corps. So that's what it stands for, but that's not true the, the the second part of that is not true oh my god um so anyway i took that and i you know i took it as the truth uh and i honestly i went back i probably used i don't know if google google was probably around but i probably used like askjeeves.com or some mm-hmm. some shit like that uh and i google just active duty officer because that was what i was trying to do based on my dad's guidance and west point came up and i Applied to West Point, didn't apply to any other colleges, and thankfully, I don't know how I got in, um, but I got in. Everybody goes there is like, you know, valedictorian of their class and all this BS. I, I did not have the GPA uh, that I should have had to go to West Point, and somebody saw something. I, I, I appreciate whoever was looking down to, to get yeah. me into West Point, um, but anyway, thankful for that. That, that, that was good. Um what was a what was a significant moment in your career that that made you be the leader that you are today? Okay, so I in in no way am I trying to like act like I'm you know righteous or act like I'm just like all all right all the time because there the, you know there is times when you need to um, make hard decisions as, as a leader. But the the time I look back on is um, my gunner when I was a tank commander. Uh, it was brand new, came up, uh, we, we were doing the simulator in the tank, um, and there was a there was one par- portion in the tank simulator that you could not get past. Like, nobody, everybody knew you, there was, like, you could not actually pass this part, so you just go into the background of the system and, and basically go past it so you could continue to do the simulator to get ready for gunnery. Um, and he was a new new gunner, but he knew that that, that back you know, backwards, uh, or back route behind to get past that was, was available. And we tried it a couple of times. And then he said like, Hey, sir, you know, can we, can we just do this and get, get, get on with it? And I, maybe it's stubbornness or maybe it's just like, I wanted to prove that we could do it, but we, we spent like, I swear two or three hours trying to, trying to get past this one that engagement. So you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we ended up getting past it, finding out how to do it. And then, you know, how to do it the right way. Um, and then, you know, he, he, he talked to me like two years later and said, like, 
that was in influential to him because it showed that like there's always a way there's always a way and and that like you you can't just take the easy way out yeah. every time like there's there's if you just put your head down and 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 you know try keep trying keep trying keep trying it'll it eventually work out so i think that that might you know of course that was developed before then obviously but i think that was that's the first time somebody's actually identified that with me and showed and said hey this is this is something you did and it, and it impacted me so i think mm -hmm. that's um as an officer uh, as a platoon leader you you have you, you're always going to have subordinate leaders like as a platoon leader you have the section sergeants the team leaders the platoon sergeant and as as a troop commander you have all of the platoon sergeants the first sergeant um what is something that that you expect from from those subordinate leaders yeah so i think the 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 best thing that that subordinate leaders whether you're an nco or an officer uh is providing support now and, and i say support for the commander right so it's it's the commander's job to to make the decision and to and to lead the troop or company or, or whatever that is but when i say support i do not by any means mean blind uh agreeing to whatever mm. they say um, a lot of people do that these days and it's yeah and 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 it, it's a very big difference between just agreeing um, and and support. So if you just agree all the time, um, inevitably, like, and and you know, you'll see commanders that they will eventually get into like decision overload because everything just goes on them. It's like whatever they say, it, it goes. And and I think sometimes commanders have to make too many decisions, and it's it's just it's not beneficial for the army. Mm -hmm. Uh, the army is all about, you know, disciplined initiative and people at lower levels making decisions, but those decisions have to be in support of, of what the commander is saying, uh, or what the commander has put out as his intent. And I think as far as support goes, the, the last thing is the key with it is, you know, it's not agreeing, but if, if you don't agree, you need to give the commander options for, for other, other things, uh, or other routes. Um, an example I always think of is when, um, we, we were heading out to Sabre Junction last year and, um, the brigade commander made the call that while we were out in the field prepping for Sabre Junction, that we were going to do PT. And I put that out, uh, and owned it. Sabre Junction 19, right? Yeah, Saber Junction 19, um, and you know we were kind of in that interim where we weren't at obviously we weren't at Saber Junction, but we were we were uh, at Camp still at Camp Bakken, but away from our families and stuff. And mm -hmm. he put out that we were doing PT, and I put that out and owned it. Um, and some NCOs came to me and 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 said, "Hey, sir, you know we we had guys that only brought out a." a a pair of PTs or, 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 or two sets of PTs. So in order to accomplish this, we're going to have to run back to the barracks and, and get PTs, or we're going to have to do this, or we're going to have to do uh, PT in OCPs. That is what I mean by support. Mm -hmm. It's, hey, you made this decision, and in order to make this decision, this is the consequences, or this is what we're going to have to give up in order to support that. Whereas some NCOs, other NCOs, you know, came and said, well, this is, this is, you know, bullshit. How, how are we supposed to do PT? We don't, you know, not everybody brought PTs, um, you know, or enough PTs. We, we didn't, 
you can see the difference between support and yeah. one is and, and there's some people maybe you disagree but in your support and in describing how to actually execute their decision you convince them that it, the decision isn't worth it yeah. by letting them know what it's going to cost you know yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of people <laughs> whenever we we found out about the whole pc situation came back and it was just a lot of people were mad especially especially the 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 privacy and stuff i mean what i did i just brought i just brought uh tide pods and i just washed my stuff in the shower with me yeah but yeah i mean knowing now that where did that come from that that wasn't like something i mean the brigade commander said we're going to do it i mean there's nothing you can you can you can do about that right actually. and if you look back on it like <clears throat> the fact that we were able to uh the brigade commander made the decision for us to have time to do platoon training mm -hmm. out there at Camp Ockham. We did do a lot of that. And that was that was a phenomenal time. I mean, it was it was a nine or ten day stretch where platoons just got to train their guys. And mm -hmm. and that was, you know, as as far as I'm concerned, a, a, a phenomenal call by the brigade commander. I mean, it just it was uh I, I got a lot of positive feedback from the platoon saying that that was a huge, huge it positive. It was what I didn't get I mean, I hope you can clear this out. Was um, there was no problem wearing an IOTV. Why do we have to take out all the plates, but just leave the front one? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sure somebody made a call with that, and I, I don't have any explanation for you there. It, it was ridiculous. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was weird. That was probably the, the, my biggest question of the year. Why are we wearing only one plate? <laughs> right. Um, what are your plans for the future in the army and explain to us what will you be doing next? Okay. Uh, well, the, uh, plan is to stay in the army and, and retire. Um, I don't have any aspirations of, of becoming like a brigade commander or something crazy like that. Um, but it is normal in a 20 year career to, to, to take battalion command. So I definitely, I'd, I'd love to take uh, tactical battalion command of a, of a calf squadron. Um, I think uh, as an armor officer, uh, you there's pr pretty much two options. You can take a like an armor battalion uh, or a cav squadron. I think cav squadrons nowadays, especially on the heavy side, have an insane amount of firepower. Mm -hmm. um, with the addition of a of a whole tank troop to the to the cavalry squadron, you've got just I mean it's it's incredible how much firepower they have. So that's pretty cool. Um, next for me though, is, uh, I'll be an OC in Hawaii, uh, and then just basically waiting my time out until I, uh, head to ILE. So head to where? ILE. It's like, uh, like ALC for majors. Okay. Yeah. I'm very just for you to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was such a hard, when I came in time to realize it was, it was so hard to make a decision. It was either like go to Hawaii and just be on an island, be on the beach and chill out <laughs> or just, or go to Campbell and, and try to chase the deployment. And so I hope I made the, for, made the good call to go to Campbell. Yeah. And, and see like, um, if it was a decision of like operational unit, I, I think I get, I get your decision point, you know, like, yeah. you know, th there's a reason I seeked out the, the 173rd. Um, I definitely, when, when you're in positions where it's like, what, what the army calls like KD positions, mm -hmm. you definitely want to seek out the unit. Uh, whereas when you're in positions where they're more broadening, then you can kind of 
take into account some of the other factors. Uh, me and you talked about this before, uh, but <clears throat> obviously there isn't there isn't a perfect perfect leader out there. But what for you is is um, like a, a sergeant or a, a lieutenant, brand new sergeant, brand new lieutenant. What for you are the key stuff that you want them to be good at? Yeah, and, and I think um, what you're referencing is, is our conversation about the Command Sergeant Major Schroeder yeah. podcast. So I think um, as far as sergeant goes, uh, I, I, I took a lot from that podcast. He is a, um, you know, he, he basically defined each NCO rank by a, a few words. Um, and if I remember correctly, the sergeant one was uh, train your soldiers, lead by personal example. Uh, and I think the third one, um, inspect, inspect. Yeah. Yeah. So those three things, if you're doing that, you are crushing it as a sergeant, uh, because first of all, not all sergeants get that. Um, and I think, you know, another thing that we've talked about is, you know, if you're a sergeant and you're doing those three things, that's great. And that's really focused on, you know, getting the mission done and, and, and performing professionally and you're going to train your soldiers and you're going to make sure that they're good at work. But the other side of that coin is something that honestly, first Sergeant Pumphrey, you know, reinforced with me and I think is, is extremely important, uh, is Care. caring about your people. Yeah. Um, caring about your people. And I think there's so many ways to, to define that. Um, but one, one way I did that as a troop commander is, um, or at least I heard this is do team leaders know how their private is paying for their cell phone bill? And that's such a, a, a you know, small question. Um, and it's not, you know, a, a end all be all. Like if, if you know, you don't leave the, you don't go into work and say, Hey, how, how, how do you pay for your yeah, phone bill? Okay. Now I'm a good team leader. Um, that's not how it works. right. But if you know that answer to that question, then, then you, you're, at least involved with your with your subordinates enough to to know that they don't just care about work. You, you're also caring about how they're paying their bills, how they're you know feeding themselves, how they're living, what their living conditions are like, etc. Yeah, you're right. Um, the problem, you know, the problem with that, the whole cell phone bill situation. People think, oh, it's just a cell phone bill, but let's say you want a deployment and the private never never fix his stuff and you never checked on it i mean you failed well he failed himself first off i mean you're a man you're going to own your decision but you could have checked and, and, and got on it to make sure it was it was done properly and exactly that, that's the thing some people some people just want to check nobody nobody wants to put in the work everybody wants to be <laughs> colonel brown always says this to the shit if you want to see want, everybody wants to be a gangster till it's time to do gangster shit yeah it doesn't mean just do, being a badass and doing and that stuff but it also means taking the rank and, and owning the rank and and make sure your people are squared away right yeah <clears throat> um what was what was the hardest decision that you made in your military career um i think you know what i would say is hardest decision was probably whether to go infantry or armor um you, you have the option to pick yeah yep um it's based on oml mm -hmm. out of west point um and I think, you know, West Point pushes combat arms really hard, which is, is I think, the right answer. I think, you know, West Point prepares you pretty well to be a combat arms officer, and it gives you a lot of uh, unique perspectives. But um, 
my decision was really between, you know, going infantry or going armor. And I think my, the reason I chose armor was just because of the, the wide variety that the armor branch provides. You know, like I started out as a tanker and I ended up as an airborne reconnaissance troop commander. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things you can do in the armor community where infantry, of course, you can be on Bradley's or you can be, you know, airborne as well. But uh, I just like the idea of, you know, being able Taking to... Taking a big missile on your on your, on your truck and just yeah. shooting that motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I hate vehicles. <laughs> I don't care how much firepower <laughs> it has. I just, I, I hate being stuck on a vehicle. Right. Do you think that <clears throat> has do you think your leadership approach changed compared to when you first took command of of a troop slash company slash battery level element to now? Yeah, I do. I think um, there were there were multiple shifts as I as I went through uh, troop command. I I've always stayed relatively uh, consistent with with what I was putting out, but the way I kind of defined success. Um, I read a book called uh, Mindset the week I took command. Um, Colonel Bartholomew was the brigade commander at the time, and he, he recommended reading it. Uh, he's so a I, badass. Yeah, he's absolutely. Badass. He's, like, he's like the only person I've seen with a mustache stain on their, on their, yeah. on their wings. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. No, and he's yeah, also absolutely. seven foot tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, he's, he's phenomenal. He's definitely one of those pedestal leaders that you just, like, you look at him and you're like, all right, I'm going to follow that guy. Absolutely. Um, definitely. Uh, so I read that the first week of command and I, I started to, it was, it was really influential, um, not just for my command, but for my, for my life. Um, and I, I definitely started looking at command and, and leading the troop through that lens. Um, so it's about growth. It's about just your your mindset looking towards failure and hard work and 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 what you're doing in your life. So that's how I initially started it and I I I thought, "Hey, the key to success is just having a growth mindset." And I pushed that really hard. And then about halfway through, I started realizing that like you know, some of the positivity, like the the platoons and the people who were who were really positive, who came to work with a positive attitude, they were doing better. So I started realizing that, hey, you know, a lot of it has to do with positive outlook on life and just being like, hey, I know it sucks. I know like nobody likes doing certain things, but hey, I'm going to be positive about it. I'm going to I'm going to crush it. And then I, I would say like the last third or, you know, towards towards the end, um, I realized that kind of what I mentioned earlier in the podcast with support, I realized that was really the key to the troop being successful was, um, was NCOs supporting my decisions. And again, I reiterate, it wasn't NCOs agreeing with me at all. Mm -hmm. It was NCOs supporting my decisions with real solutions that were going to work. And the more I, the more I reinforced support, um, the more I was seek, or like I guess the, the more I asked for the support, the more they responded, and the more they responded, the more I asked for it. So it was so healthy for the troop. Um, and as I progressed through that, it's not like at the beginning I wasn't asking for for my NCOs uh, support, but I I made it a point above and beyond what I would normally do is 
asking for their feedback and and creating that buy-in and i think the the idea of support is how i kind of finished my troop command and mm -hmm. i think that's really what the, what the goal was it's cool that you explained what you actually meant by support because a lot of people i remember i remember when when we were at oas and we it was it's nothing big but when we made a decision about the 24-hour 12-hour shifts mm -hmm. and and um you just asked for the support when we we're making that, when we were like still trying to make that decision, everybody was just, everybody was just, um, oh, he he's throwing his rank at me. Oh, I'm gonna, he wants us to do it because because he's he's a commander and blah blah blah. And it it's it's cool that you you broke that down and explained that so that way people that are listening, hopefully people that are listening were there and they can understand why, what you actually meant by you need you just ask for support, right? And that decision specifically, I mean. I probably, I asked for more feedback on that decision than probably any decision I've made in my army career. And it probably mattered the least. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, like 12 hour shifts versus 24 hour shifts for, for guard. Like, you know, there's positives and negatives to both, but you know, when it, as far as the NCO support, I mean, we, again, we looked at the, consequences of each of each side and you know ncos told me hey if we make this decision these are the repercussions and they once we made the decision ncos fully you know everybody drove on supported yeah. everything and, and and continued so. so have you ever thought about um doing any kind of special operations i have um and i don't know i mean like anybody who's thinking about it probably won't like my answer um and Part of it is just I did I didn't go SF, so I of course you know you, you anytime you 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 choose to do something you, you you put in your head like why you didn't do it, but um, it was the, during the time you have to choose to go SF as a lieutenant, first lieutenant promotable uh, before you go to M Triple C, and during that time I was in a tank unit again, um, and there were two other guys who were infantry officers who were going SF uh, in that unit and unfortunately like they were not stellar performers um they were kind of like just seeking out sf as like a, a way to you know get out of the fun you know the normal army and it was somewhat it impactful yeah and you know <clears throat> being in this unit everybody who goes sf you're like man those guys are are absolutely phenomenal but being in my last unit the two guys that went were like mediocre performers did they get selected they did yeah um and it was it was just one of those things kind of put a bad taste in my mouth and um and my battalion commander at the time you know he basically also just said like it's probably not the right choice for for what i want to do and then of course you know family goes into it too um you know, looking back, I don't, I don't think SF works astronomical hours or, you know, th their day to day when, when they're home at least isn't, isn't that bad, but they do deploy a lot. Um, and it was just something at the time my family was not ready for. So, hmm. um, what, what was the most rewarding part of being a troop commander? Just seeing the growth of people around you. I mean, like seeing privates who ended up being sergeants, seeing, 
you know, sergeants who, you know, the, the, the first NCOER that I signed as a troop commander, uh, as just the reviewer, um, was a sergeant NCOER and it was one of the worst NCOERs I've ever, I've ever read. Um, mean, not, not bad, badly written. I'm saying like it was trashing this guy, um, saying that he was not a good NCO. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and over the time that I was in troop command, this guy became a reliable staff sergeant, one who did very well and who I absolutely was able to rely on. So, you know, is he in the troop right now? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that out. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say by name, but he, he definitely like, that's kind of the, the, what I mean by the growth. I mean, like, you know, people, people surprise you. Um, the, the, the growth people go through in 18 months. Um, you know, I just look around, I'm, I'm grateful that I was a part of that. And if I could, you know, if I was even a sliver of, of that, uh, then, then I'm happy. Um, you know, I think it's just seeing people get better, um, on their own accord on, on how hard they're working and also the leaders around them, supporting them and, and, and bringing them up. So who who was someone that you think that like made a mark, like, damn, this guy really, really got a lot better or this guy went from good to completely trash. Okay. So I, I think the number one example, um, is, actually an a, like not a combat arms guy i think uh our supply sergeant when i first got to the to the unit um our supply systems were kind of broken uh nobody really knew how to do inventories nobody really knew who you know how to order things properly or, th- or through the right channels um and our supply sergeant was somewhat unreliable um i, I say somewhat unreliable he was he was very, very hard hard to work with um, and I was lucky to have uh, Lieutenant Brand, who was a phenomenal leader, yeah, physically fit. I mean, everything. Um, but he was so so intelligent. He was the XO when I, the, like, the day I took command, he started as XO. So with his guidance and and kind of me steering the ship a bit, um, but but really Lieutenant Brand's follow through, that uh, that supply sergeant turned it around uh and in the 18 months that I was command in command I mean he there were times when he was on say like a recovery day or something and and the troop like would would be in in hysterics thinking like oh we need we need <laughs> we need the supply sergeant here like because a lot of stuff relied on him towards the end there um and it's it's mostly because of his effort his hard work and actually the growth that he went through so if I had to you know put put one example on it that would be that would be who it was what is your advice to um junior ncos and and junior lieutenants to to become successful kind of like put them on the right path right i I would say you know understand that caring about soldiers is is more important than everything because your soldiers are who's going to accomplish the mission for you um and that's not to say you know the idea of mission first, you know, you're clearing a room and, and somebody goes down, of course you have to clear the room and, and, and execute the mission. Um, but the prep for that mission, you got to care about your people. Um, because they, they are the point, the point of the army 
is to develop good people. And of course it's, it's to win our nation's wars and, 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 and fight for freedom and all that. But the, the fact is, you know, a successful army career is 20 years. So say you're a 19 year old private and 20 years later, you, you retire from the army, you're 39 years old. You still have all of your forties, your fifties, your sixties, your seventies. If you're lucky, your eighties, nineties, that's 50 or 60 years that you're, that you're impacting the United States outside of the army. So what I mean by that is like, as a young leader, put people on the right path. You know, if somebody messes up, don't just, you know, completely fuck them down, figure out how to correct it and figure out what, what you can do to make sure that that person is buying in. Cause if you, if you mess up as a private, say you're really intelligent, you're, you're, you're raring to go, you're super motivated and you, and you make one little mess up and your sergeant just comes down on you, you know, in a, in a, say in a disrespectful way or in a way that you just don't, don't understand. That isn't going to help you make decisions to stay in the army and to continue to put effort towards things and to, and to continue to fight for, whatever organization you're a part of. Now, if you, if you mess up over, over time and you're, you're constantly doing the wrong thing, then maybe, maybe something like that has to happen and, and you, you got to maybe take a wake up call. But I, I'd say if, if, if your, if your superiors care, um, and if you, if you as an individual care about your subordinates, you're going to make decisions that help them. And, and you under, you have to understand what your, what your, feedback and how your consequences that you put on them uh actually affect them in the long run all right um <clears throat> so in the army you're always in the process of learning it doesn't matter if you're if you're a brand new private they've been on for two months or you're a troop commander or you're a sergeant major they've been on for almost 30 years you're you're always learning every day so um who is someone that that had like a big influence on you and what did you learn from that person I would say towards the beginning of my career uh, was my first first sergeant who, uh, when I was a platoon leader, had a really big impact on me. He was a, a the definition of an expert. Um, as far as tanks go, he was a, a, a tank master gunner. He was a extremely professional NCO. The idea of support that we talked about earlier, I mean, he, he supported all the officers and, and the rest of the tr- uh, company um, exactly how a senior NCO should. Um, he, was, he was about, I don't know, 250 pounds, just straight muscle. I mean, he, was, he, he could, he, I mean, he was a, a phenomenal uh, example of what a first sergeant should be. Um, and I, I deployed... I think about a month after I took, I signed for my tanks and, and was a platoon leader. Um, and we didn't bring our tanks. So part of that six month deployment with no tanks as a tank platoon leader, uh, was him basically pulling me into a room on my, on our off time and saying like, Hey, that these are the acronyms you need to learn. These are the things you need to learn about tanks. And he taught me tanks before I was on tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, that was an extremely influential and I think he started me off on a good trajectory, trajectory, understanding that, you know, tact, 
technical proficiency as an officer is just as important as your other proficiencies. Do, do you know if he's still in the army? He is, yeah. Uh, Carlton D. Wade. He's a, a, he's a, a sergeant major now. Yeah. <laughs> D. Wade. That's a basketball player. <laughs> um, is there someone that you talk to or something that you do whenever you have a hard decision to make? Yeah, I do. Um, I mentioned my dad earlier. He was, he was an enlisted Marine. Um, I consistently, when, when, when faced with a hard decision, I'll call him up. Um, and he, he definitely has a phenomenal mind for like decision-making and breaking things down and, and, and just following through with the right choice. Uh, so I, I consistently call him. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he was an enlisted Marine in in the seventies. So he's, he's got a unique perspective and sometimes he's, he's a little harder than, than, than I am, um, uh, but he he offers a great perspective and and really it's it's less about his experience um, and more about his just ability to to break things down and, and break decisions down. So. Do do you have someone that you use as an aspiration? Yeah. So uh, as far as I I think mentorship is really important in the army. Um, I think uh, finding somebody to 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 emulate and to aspire to be like is is really important. I I didn't. I didn't really have uh, uh, I didn't really have that before I came to the 173rd. Um, some of my senior leaders were really influential, but I didn't really have many uh, immediate supervisors that I thought I could just emulate and, and everything would be okay. But once I came to the 173rd, I definitely definitely got a lot of those leaders. Um, major major. Uh, Craig Nelson uh, was the operations officer. He's when, another beast. Yeah, absolutely. He was the S3 when I was the AS3. Uh, phenomenal leader. Um, he's, I've never seen him make the wrong decision. I've never see, seen him do the wrong thing, um, but he's still human. He's still, uh, you know, he's just a great leader. Um, he's, he's who I look up to uh, and emulate to, to work or continue to, to provide, um, effort towards my strengths. Uh, I think he's very in line with what I try to be, but then there's another guy, uh, major John Bolton. He's a Apache pilot who I met in airborne school. Um, extremely smart individual, uh, very talented, uh, like strategists, um, as far as like big army picture stuff you know he's 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 in, in, incredibly intelligent and he he kind of is the example for me of like to work on my on my weaknesses so it would be like major nelson is is who i want to be and who i it's like he kind of represents my strengths and major bolton is the kind of guy who's like all right are you doing army writing are you providing uh you know articles for armor magazine are you doing are you working on the things the other side of being an officer that i'm not good at uh he's the one that kind of forces me to to work on that so mm -hmm. i would it, my recommendation would be for everyone to kind of look at mentors in that way you know find one mentor who's like you who you can continue to strive to be like and then find one mentor who's not like you who can help you work on your weaknesses all right <clears throat> So um, through my time 
ever since when I first joined the army until today, I I believe that being a good leader, you you something that you required to is required for you to be is being physically and mentally tough. Our, our previous uh, squadron commander used to used to pound that on us all the time, right? Well, for people for the people that are listening right now, to put them on a path that is uh, to move forward, kind of like the first step in trying to be physically mentally tough. What is some advice that you give to to that person? All right, so I I think the the key to being I, I mean physically and mentally tough. I mean part of it is just how you look at things. Um, and you need to look at like stuff's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like people, people have done things much harder than whatever you're doing. Um, I think that is at least the way I look at like tough situations. One, I look, I, I compare it to, Hey, there's somebody out there who's, who's working way harder than me or who's sucking way more than me or who's hungrier than I am. Um, and then you also have to just kind of, compare to your previous, uh, experiences. So the, you know, I think a, a easy mark on the wall is going to ranger school. Um, but I don't think that's a prerequisite. I don't think like if you haven't gone to ranger school, you're not tough. Um, cause there's plenty of tough guys out there who can, who are resilient, who can deal with a lot of stuff, uh, who have not gone to ranger school. But I think what ranger school does is it gives you a mark on the wall for the rest of your life. Like nothing will, it it will likely be that nothing is as hard as what Ranger school was as a whole. Um, but I think in order to get there, you need to, and this is, you know, very specific advice, but you need to start rucking once a week. You need to put yourself in positions that are physically and mentally challenging. Um, you need to, seek those things out and and when you once you do that you'll start to realize that things actually get easier um because if you if you go through your life oh like you know you've never gone on rocks well the army's going to make you rock and if what the army is telling you to do is the hardest time that you've ever had then you're going to not be able to lead from the front but if you put yourself in positions that are harder than what the army will ask you to do then the what the army's saying to do it'll be easy and you'll be able to lead and that's kind of the point you know you don't want to be in the middle of the pack you don't want to be sucking you want to be hey this is easy because last week on my own time i did double this mm-hmm. you know but it takes effort it, it definitely does all right so so jack uh working under you um i know that something that you really big on is doctrine Whenever it comes to training, whenever it comes to, to doing rehearsals, whenever it comes to anything, when it comes to, to developing soldiers, you always go back to doctrine. And as a leader, you make that call. Either we're either going to do the doctrinal way or we are going to do whatever the way that makes sense, right? Um, can, can we just get a little bit of your intake on that on why do you think doctrine is so important and one of the times that you think that we shouldn't go by doctrine? I don't know if that's a, that's a, yeah, absolutely. I think, well, first of all, let me correct you. And you, you never worked under me. We, we worked together. That is, right, that is I how the so. army, that is how we all like B troop, at least as far as I'm concerned, like we all, we all were a team working towards a common goal. So absolutely. you can, you can cut that out if you want, but <laughs> the idea is, uh, that especially in the United States army. And I think the reason why the United States army is so successful is because we don't, 
follow doctrine all the time. Um, I mentioned earlier this this idea of disciplined initiative. Um, you can do whatever you need to do to accomplish the mission as long as it's disciplined initiative, right? You just don't want to take initiative and go balls to the wall and go go straight through the center of the army of the enemy's line. But like, as long as you're mentally thinking about like, hey, you know, is this does this make sense? Are we going to be successful doing this? It's disciplined initiative. It, it, it's really hard to actually follow that. Um, but as far as doctrine, you have to understand the doctrine in order to stray from it. You know, um, you have to understand the fundamentals of what uh, the, the blocking and tackling is until in order to actually come up with some crazy other option that might not be doctrinally correct, uh, but but sense. could end up being okay in the, in in the in the um, in the end. So, mm-hmm. I think uh, an an example would be just I don't know. I mean, look look at anything we do out in the field. I mean, there's plenty of things that we as far as like distance between ops or or what. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. The doctrine can't cover it. Um, but I, you just have to you you have to strive to understand doctrine to a T, so that way you can str- uh, stray from it. I mean, there are countless examples of of. I, I actually I say countless examples. I don't know if this is actually true, but I've heard that one of the complaints of our enemies in World War II was that we didn't follow our doctrine. It was just like we, they don't know what we're gonna do because we were, you know, people were making decisions and just fighting fighting the fight so it's uh it's interesting the now the army's perspective on this right is is that there's there's three types of learning there's there's doctrinal learning that you get from like these courses like basic training alc uh blc all of these times where you go back to the mothership and you learn doctrine and you learn like what the army's version of your job is the second one is organizational learning. So when you're actually in a unit, you learn TTPs, you learn the actual experience that's going to lead to you doing well. And then the third is self-learning. So reading books, studying doctrine on your own, studying all these things, doing doing things like this, like conversations like we're having now uh, fall into the realm of self-learning. And if you can conquer those three, or at least continue to pursue those three, uh, that's kind of how the army sees as, as the best way to progress. Right. <clears throat> it's, it's all about making that decision on the ground. Right. Right. Uh, what is your key to success? Like something that you wake up every day, you're like, this is why I'm being, I'm going to be successful today. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's a few things, but I, I think at least as far as, you know, baseline leadership i think uh you know i'm not going to comment on like loyalty duty all the 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 baseline stuff but i think a fundamental or something that kind of leads to more uh like a graduate level leadership is i think consistency i mentioned it earlier if you're consistent you enable your subordinates to start making decisions uh that mimic what you would have made if you were in the room or if you were on the ground with them. Um, so, and then following that up is, is supporting those decisions when they make them, whether they were in line or not. So if I make the same decision 
under the same circumstances every time, then my subordinates will start to understand that that's the right decision. As long as I'm, you know, a, a, a good leader and I guess I'm making the right decision in the first place. But if I make different decisions across the board, then it's hard for my subordinates to mimic those decisions. It's hard for my subordinates to understand why I'm making decisions. So I think consistency leads to that disciplined initiative that I talked about, and it it enables everything. Um, So, you know, if I'm consistent, then my subordinate leaders can then make decisions in my absence. I think a, a good example is, uh, I came back from a training meeting once and it was late. It was like, it was like 1830 or something. It was pretty, pretty late, um, for the training meeting at least. And the PL or two PLs had not released their guys cause they were waiting for me to come back and say, yeah, like we can, we can release that to me. was like, that's not in line with anything I've ever said, you know? And, you know, the consistency, I guess, you know, I guess I'm bringing up a, a, a bad example. Maybe I wasn't consistent enough, but they needed to make the decision. Like, no, Captain Williams has never made the decision to keep guys past a certain time. Let's let's release, and then when we when we need to, or we can kind of respond, uh, or we can tell Captain Williams why we did it, and it probably would have been yeah, that was absolutely the right decision. Please continue to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it is it is what it is. I think being consistent just enables people to make decisions. All right. We are almost finished wrapping it up right here. We've got one more question, right? And I've been mentioning this every, every uh, episode that I have someone on. I think this podcast is going to be more directed to people that are, are struggling with leadership calls, people that are struggling with uh, trying to keep pushing to their objectives every day. They always come up with a burden. A burden always comes up, and and they're always uh, kind of like losing motivation. Um, what, what it, but I want to ask you, what is a story or a message that you have to the listeners that are going through a hard time, they're going through, a, uh, they have a burden right now, and they, they're struggling to make a, a call on you. They should keep going, or they should they should take certain action. Um, what, so what is a message or story that you have to them to help them push to the, to the goal or the objective that they have going on right now? So, you know, without knowing what somebody's going through, you know, nothing is, is permanent. Okay. Um, you can, especially in the army, you can respond in a way that saves pretty much anything, you know, as long as you didn't kill somebody or do something that's going to get you arrested or kicked out of the army. Uh, you can absolutely come back from pretty much anything. Um, and if it's outside of the army, something that's that's weighing on you, one, you, you got to figure out whether it's going to be long lasting. And if the army is is something that's right for you, like the what we what we fall into occasionally is, hey, sometimes staying in the army is, is not the right decision. Um, and I don't know if that's what, what everybody who's listening to this is going to want to hear, but, um, the army has to be the right choice or else you're going to be fighting. And if you're not staying in the army for the right 
reasons, then you're you're not going to be helpful to yourself. You're not going to be helpful to your leaders. You're not going to be helpful to your subordinates. But once you realize that the army is the right call and you want to put the effort into getting past whatever leadership struggle or whatever life struggle you're going through, I think the key is uh, just understanding that it's not whatever is happening is not permanent. Uh, and and I go back to that that book, the mind mindset like you're not defined by your mistakes. You can learn from them and you're absolutely like, as long as you own that mistake and, and, and learn from it, you're going to grow and you're going to get better. And you're going to be able to use that as a, as a focal point moving forward of, Hey, this was, this was a tough time in my life, but I got past it and I learned from it. And I'm, I'm not going to do this, 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 because that, you know, led me down the wrong path. But so learn from your mistakes. And, and I think you'll, you'll kind of realize how influential that can be. One thing, one thing that I learned from you, um, of our entire time working together, like you said, yeah. was, um, preparation leads to success. Can you just, can you just hit on, and you always praise that a lot. You always talked about it every single time we're getting ready to go on, on a training event. Can you just hit on it real quick on, on what that means to you and, and why do you abide it so much? Yeah, it's, it's interesting how like things stick with some people. Um, cause that was, that started out, um, as like just a offhand comment. And then I realized that it, it's, it's so true. <laughs> um, everything about success, whether, you know, of course you got to make the decision, uh, on the ground and, and everything, but you can't even make that decision if you're not prepared. So, uh, you know, what we put as far as field, you know, getting ready for the field, it was, it was just going through mentally all the contingencies that could happen and making sure that we had all the equipment that we had, you know, things prepped, uh, people prepped. Um, the idea of preparation, uh, was not just about equipment though. It was about making sure that we understood, you know, points on the map that were going to be influential before we actually went out. So we weren't figuring it out once we were in the middle of the mission. Um, the idea of planning and making sure that the op order was not just something that you listen to and then throw out and, and, and don't really care about it. It was, it was relevant information that people could use. Now, I say that as the troop commander, I, I, I don't know if I, I hope it got down to the lowest levels and, and, and people understood at the, at the level of execution of what the bigger picture was. Um, but putting effort into the plan and putting effort into preparing is, is what I saw as, as leading to the most success. I mean, you look at like the sections who rehearsed ahead of time for section live fire did much better than the ones that, well, let me be specific. So the ones that rehearsed uh, how to do things instead of the, the ones that rehearsed what to do and where to go uh, did much better. So we, we, we look at, Hey, did you rehearse on telling the gunner, which hill to occupy or which berm to get behind or which tree to use cover for? Or did you rehearse, you know, that gunner listening to the AG or listening to the section sergeant, um, and taking commands because inevitably, 
we're not going to have a chance to go through a, a, a real live fire multiple times, right? So you need to rehearse the things that provide flexibility instead of just providing, hey, I'm going to rehearse going to this because that's what they told me that was the right choice. Um, so as far as preparation goes, you need to make sure you're preparing and, and rehearsing the right way. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it does help. I think the more preparation you can put into something, the, the better it is. You just got to make sure you're doing the right thing. Absolutely. Preparation leads to success. All right. Um, we're, we're, we're closing it up right now. Uh, listeners, I really appreciate you guys hanging out with us and, and listening to, to, to some stuff and getting better just by listening to the podcast. Jack, I appreciate you taking the time to come come talk to me and, and share some 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 stuff to the listeners to help them improve and get better. Um, I wish you and your family the best of luck in Hawaii. Although I'm very jealous, but uh, I wish you guys the the best, and I wish wish you the 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 biggest of all the successes you can ever have. Yeah, I appreciate it, uh, and I've got a a little uh, gift for you, partly for for this, but also just a little going away gift for me. Um, leaving the troop. Uh, I mentioned it. Uh, I got this book mindset, so I wanted to give it to you. I appreciate uh, what you did for the troop. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that that book hopefully can, can impact you the same way it impacted me. But uh, I appreciate what you're doing, what you've done for the troop. But that this podcast alone just shows that you understand kind of the idea of the profession. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to what you're going to be accomplishing in your career. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the, the, the opportunity to remember leadership is talked a lot, but not talked a lot. Wish you success. And learn from your mistakes. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening. This was the world's greatest leaders podcast. Feel the river rising. Well, I feel the river rising, devil's coming up for you, I can't.